Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Give Up Space Cowboy, the podcast that has been carving animals into the face of planets because they're lonely since 1998. <laughs> I am your host, Jeremy Greer. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Chris Mosier. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. What's going on, my man? Just having a good time watching some Cowboy Bebop, Chris. I'm, I am still in love with this show. I don't know if you know that. Hell yeah. We, we, we talk about I this show quite a bit. This whole time I've been thinking, you know, there's been a core piece missing and we finally got that missing piece uh, on this first episode we're finally there we, we are recruiting is this the final member of the, of this the, is the final member Excellent. of the bebop um uh, this I'm, I'm very excited about this episode uh before we get into it i just want to thank all of our patrons at patreon.com slash monster of the week you guys uh made this happen and that's why we are releasing this yes. exclusively to you um and not for any kind of shameful capitalism money grab thing at all like it was just <laughs> for you as a reward for you guys helping us support the network network no i'm not on duck tv right now support the show and support me and chris uh so thank you for all of that um listen you want to just get into some fucking bebop man Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm a. Uh, I, I, I want before we get into the actual episode. I have actually been rewatching this. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, as the, as of this recording, none of these episodes are public yet. Nobody, only a limited a limited number of people have have listened to them. Uh, one of those people were was Autumn, of course. So she's been listening. One of those people is also me. Yeah, and you. Yes, <laughs> and so no and help. like two other trusted trusted advisors. Um, what? So Autumn's been listening to it. She listened to the first one, and she was like, Jeremy. You, you're in love with this show, I can tell. And I was like, yeah, it's a fucking great show. She goes, I gotta watch it. So we, pretty good. we've watched the first four episodes um, mm-hmm. and because she, she told me she was not going to listen to any more of the podcast. It's like, you're a test listener. You kind of have to do this. But until, <laughs> until, until she had um, listened, until she had watched the episodes that we're covering. And uh, I was I was a little nervous. Uh, Autumn has a, a, a kind of a similar history with anime. Like, she's an open-minded person. Uh, but I was, I was a little bit nervous because as good as the show is, I just didn't know if it would hold up very well for some reason. I was mm-hmm. just nervous about it. Mm-hmm. And she totally fucking fell in love with it and uh i i I just going back and listening to it i feel like we could redo this series and i'm not saying we should do this but i'm saying like in five years we could rewatch don't give up we could watch rewatch cowboy bebop and (laughs) re-record don't give up space cowboy volume two and talk about so much different shit i feel like we are missing a ton of stuff it's it's weird where we always joked about supernatural like we don't want to have to do, do a two-hour podcast on 45 minutes of tv which we've gotten close to doing a couple times but it seriously feels like we could do a two-hour podcast on 22 minutes of tv with cowboy bebop because there's so much detail in every single scene of the show it it's honestly ridiculous <laughs> yeah if we wanted to really drill into um all of the wonderful like small bits of animation both foreground and background if we wanted to get into a lot of the the themes if we wanted to get into all of the references they're doing like i'm at the very beginning i was i was kind of skimming the wiki to see if i could bring some of those out we could talk about them um and i just it's it's overwhelming like it's just it's it is 22 minutes per episode and it is crammed packed full of goodness so i'm it's it's kind of amazing is what i'm saying it's 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 pretty extraordinary it's a it's a good show let's put it hey chris this is a good show pretty good uh the episode that we're covering today is jamming with edward this was written by dai soto <clears throat> something is carved in giant pictures on the earth's surface and the earth police put out a bounty drawing in the sp- earth police <laughs> a talented computer hacker edward is rumored to be the culprit but the truth is much different uh I, this is the first time we've seen earth 
So we're on episode nine. Yeah. And this is our first yeah. Earth. I kind of, I've been curious about what's been happening with Earth because in most sci-fi, even if we're exploring in space, either Earth has been destroyed or it's the center of the galaxy or it's like the, the cradle right. of humanity for some reason. Or not for some reason because it's fucking Earth. That's where we're born. Um, so this is, this is really exciting when I read this description. I, I was really pumped about it. It's funny because Earth is just sort of almost like the trailer park. <laughs> like it's not like post-apocalyptic. It's not destroyed, and, and, and neither is it the cradle of humanity. It's just sort of like there, and yeah. there's not a lot there. People still live there, but like it's kind of shitty because the atmosphere is worn thin, and there are just uh, meteor showers constantly. So it's a kind of a, a unique, not necessarily unique, but it's an interesting depiction <laughs> of planet Earth. I totally agreed with you. It's uh, it's it's really fun. We're gonna we're gonna find some lore out in this episode, uh, which, which I'm I, which I got really excited about. I'm um, so let, let's just get into it. So we start with uh, with a look of like a, a what looks like a digital eye, and we get yeah. some like voiceover text that says "Here, always here, never alone." And then uh, as we as the camera pulls out, we realize this is a satellite floating in space. Um, it's surrounded by space debris, like rocks and things. And then mm-hmm. it starts shooting a laser into the planet below, and it's like carving out these pictures of animals, uh, yeah. which is pretty. I first insane. thought when it is when we first saw the eye, I was thinking of that flashback that Spike had had yep, me too. in the episode mm-hmm. with the little kid with the harmonica. That was, and I wonder if they intentionally sort of mislead you for half a second. Um, but yeah, as soon the first thing that I wrote down with. The, the pictures that it's carving into Earth with this laser was that it looks like the, the Nazca lines, or the whatever they're called, mm-hmm. um, which are in the Nazca Desert in Peru, I think. Uh, I think somebody in this episode mentions that term at some point in this episode, but it immediately like it stuck out to me, because lots of people think that it's UFOs or something funky like that. Really, it's just intricate, weird drawings of, uh, of animals in the Earth that nobody really uh, knows how they got there. Exactly. But, uh, uh, it's weird that it's just like that's what this thing is doing. Yeah, it, it is very strange. And like, if this is, and I, I like this setup too, because for most of the episode, they're going to blame Edward on this, and this is the kind of prank that like a kid hacker would do, right? Like he would hack mm-hmm. over this major satellite network and then use it to carve, you know, a, a middle finger or or, a, or like a really lame crude penis into like the ground yeah. of South America, yeah. what used to be South America, which is what they're going to say in a few minutes. Um, we are introduced to Edward, who is uh, kind of positioned to be a dude throughout this, but is revealed later to be a, a girl. Um, she's just kind of laying out on this rock next to a satellite, uh, listening to a, a weather report, which is basically, hey, everything's clear. And then um, what I thought was a missile at first. Uh, oh, no, wait, wait. He, she's looking at the uh, the virtual net like in, the, in her glasses, which is the coolest and dumbest and goofiest like virtual yeah, it's internet techno interface. computer space hacker world. Oh, yeah. it's so good. I love it. Yeah, I love that stuff. There's a couple things here that uh, f- first we she's listening to the weather and there's just like weather reports about like meteor showers which i think is funny and then i think mm-hmm. it like updates to like oh sorry right now it's happening uh <laughs> and the other thing that i just always notice when i watch anime is the the cicada hiss of like the i mean the sound that cicadas make it's in so many anime because i think that cicadas are really prevalent in japan and in, in the summer months and we get them here too obviously but it's not as as common and frequent of a thing so now whenever i hear that i always associate it with like watching anime when i was a kid so when i heard it here on on 
Cowboy Bebop, but it immediately just made me think of, like, this is the anime cicada thing, which I love. I love it as an effect. It immediately, like, sets a tone for me of, like, mm-hmm. these hot, boring days where nothing's happening and everything is slow and the sun is setting and, like, it just, it, it paints a picture and then we see Edward diving into, into hack zone. Is this, uh, is, is this the, the Wilhelm scream, like, of anime? Like, is it the same cicada kind of sound effect? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the hack zone, the, the virtual internet, whatever you want to call it, uh, is... Hacktopia? Hacktopia. Um, it's, it's like this weird GUI interface... GUI interface is kind of like saying ATM machine. It doesn't make any sense. It's this weird GUI of like browsing these, like this blue background and like all of these like sites and access panels and all this kind of stuff is going by at the at really, really super fast. And it's, it's very much a late nineties, like f- dream of future internet, which I can really yeah, get behind. Yeah. That's some of my favorite shit in the world. Like old futurism is, is really interesting mm-hmm. to me. And this show is so much of that. Yeah. And like a lot of it really works. Like a lot of it works surprisingly well. And you know, this is, is very goofy, but it's still very charming. I think it's because it's it's tonally consistent. Even when they're diving into these into into Hacktown, it's like the Hacktown through the eyes of like a really eccentric, silly little girl who has an eccentric version of what like hacking on the internet looks like. I assume it, I don't know. Yeah. It just makes sense. The pieces go together well. Um, as 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 she's running through these these different panels, uh, we, we it's revealed that she's looking for the bebop, and we find out that mm-hmm. the bebop is is nearby. Um, right as that happens, uh, what I thought was a missile comes crashing down, and it's revealed to be right, later right. to be an asteroid or uh, like a meteor. Uh, but mm-hmm. it hits very close to her, and that's I think that's when the weather report updates. It's like meteor storm chance ninety nine percent. Like oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, over on the uh, on the bebop. They're watching the news and kind of going through their their normal like slice of life routine. Um, when the newscaster starts interviewing this um, Yuri Kellerman, uh, who is a basically he's the it was aliens guy from the History Channel, yeah. and, but like yeah. t- ten years too early for the meme. Uh, he he talks like in that weird kind of Igor voice, and I think yeah. it's the aliens. It's it's really strange, and yeah, he's saying that he's all he's going through all of like the real alien Nazcaline theories that people have. <laughs> and the newscaster's like, okay, buddy, sure thing. Here's what's really doing it. Yeah, I, 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 that's the funniest part to me, is the newscaster is like, oh, really, that's interesting, because the government is saying it's a series of satellites that are orbiting in space that they have lost control over. <laughs> and they think that, <laughs> they actually think that it's this one specific actor, they've released an 8 million bounty Wulong, or 8 million Wulong bounty on him. What do you think about that? Like, it was aliens, man. It was aliens. <laughs> Uh, of course, Kellerman thinks that the the, the bounty is a government cutter, cover up, and uh, it's, of course, it's so strange to me. And Bebop is really great at this, where they c- bring these characters to the screen and they they give them so much personality, and they're there for like forty five seconds second, to a minute, yeah. right? <laughs> they're just they're swept aside. Um, but yeah, there's this obviously a big bounty on whoever has hacked this satellite. Uh, so Jet and Faye's ears perk up. Because they're always down for a good old-fashioned bounty. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, Spike is just like, this is boring. I'm not interested. I don't care. Hackers are small fries. Like, it's, there's nothing like, exciting about going after a hacker. Well, Spike, what do you know? Well, and, and Faye, Faye says, well, Spikers are... Spikers. Wow, that's a word. Faye, <clears throat> Faye kind of argues and is like, well, I mean, like, hackers may be boring, but they're easy to catch because they're, like, you know, fat and stinky. I think she says, this one's probably a demented otaku with smelly feet. Mm-hmm. Nerdy, pasty, tubby little geeks with triple thick glasses, and this one is probably a demented oka- otaku with smelly feet. <laughs> she really fantastic. gets colorful with Damn, the language. 
Faded, did you did you lose someone in the war? Is that what's happening right now? <laughs> Faye's got a grudge. I get some nerves. Um, I think at this point, Jet and Faye kind of have this this exchange, and this is going to lead into something that happens in the next episode as well, where uh, Jet kind of makes a, like a kind of side handed comment about her age, and she just crushes his foot. Like uh, for as much as Spike says that he doesn't like women and he doesn't want them on a ship, uh, Jet and Faye seem to be the ones that actually argue the most. Yeah, yeah. Um... And it's still, it's it's at this point feeling good-natured. Mm-hmm. Even though they've only known each other for a few episodes, it very much starts to feel like this crew has been together for years, and we're just getting a window into that. Exactly, yeah. And we don't know how much time has passed. Uh, well, actually, we, we'll find out in a little while. It's been a couple of weeks since the last episode, really, so it's not really, not mm-hmm. a lot of time mm-hmm. has passed. Um, we go to another news report, and this is where we're going to get our big lore dump. Um, just a few minutes ago, we got this picture of the Earth uh, surrounded by this ring of uh, asteroids, which obviously doesn't exist in right now. And it just, it's one of those, those images that's kind of just seared into my mind from this because like, what, why? And, uh, and this is where they, they go through the, the history of what happened on earth. Uh, so apparently there was a, a jump gate accident we've some, seen jump gates in the past is how these ships approach and get away from the, the planets. Um, the jump gate accident blew up the moon. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Did I get that right? Shit happens, man. Shit happens. <laughs> That's a bummer for the tides. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it peppered the, the, the almost the entirety of Earth with uh, space debris, with asteroids and meteors and whatnot. Um, hey, science nerds out there, I don't actually know the difference between an asteroid and a meteor. I think a meteor is when it crashes to Earth, and an asteroid is when you get off my dick about science terms. So. <laughs> 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 maybe maybe you could at me at local bones on Twitter to kind of talk about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the, the damage was so severe that all of the people living on Earth had to flee to underground tunnels, and they built these series of, of humongous underground tunnels. They built a, a these huge supercomputers, uh, which they used to, to launch satellites in space so that they could communicate with the outside world. And some of these supercomputers and some of these satellites they've they've lost control with, mm-hmm. um, and it became kind of a target for hackers. To take over these 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 satellites and do things with them, and it quote it bred quote unquote a new, you know excuse me it created a new breed of hacker, which I think is mm. hilarious. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so from there, we're kind of just like led into what an update from the cops from Earth cops, and they're looking for this person called Radical Edward. And at this point in the episode, we don't know that Edward is the the little kid that we already saw earlier in this episode. Yeah. I just before we get a little too far from this, um, I, I want to hear young Chris as he heard this 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 history of Earth and like the series of shit that went down. Because I got to say, I loved this last night. Like when I was watching this, oh, yeah. I was really into it. I think that young Chris probably his eyes glazed over. He wasn't. He probably wasn't interested in the history of Earth back then. Um, I think first time going through Cowboy Bebop, I was still just like I. Th- I think Edward was the distraction for me because I knew that Edward was going to be. A main character because Edward was Cause on seen the, know, the cover mm-hmm. of the DVD box set that I had. <laughs> um, Spoilers! Wow, yeah. thanks, Blockbuster. What's, yeah, what the fuck? Um, but yeah, I think that was probably what I was most focused on. As as adult, Chris is a lot more interested in the ridiculous science behind how Earth got to be the way that it is. Even when you were just like retelling it and the idea of of this gate accident. And I started just to think, like, wow, it would really suck to be the person who caused that accident that then ended up destroying basically the entire Earth and changing 
Earth society as we know it because of like some little thing that maybe went wrong. My my imagination kind of went a little bit wild with that, which is it's fun because we get the history of how this happened, but we don't get the details, and that allows us to kind of fill it in ourselves. And that's a great thing that Cowboy Bebop does with sort of everything. Even when we're getting starting to get the history of of Spike and Vicious, we don't have any of the details. So I'm I'm curious, Chris, as you were imagining the person that. Um, that made this mistake with the jump gate that caused a, a huge amount of property damage that caused the destruction of probably hundreds of thousands of human lives, uh, livestock, uh, th- probably through the world economy into craziness. Um, did, did all of this, these terrible things that literally changed the history of earth over in a space of a couple of minutes. Do you think it was Sam or Dean? <laughs> well, this sounds more like a Sam joint. Uh, some you would fuck up. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I gotta, I gotta go with Sam. Go on with that Sam. One. Sorry, buddy. I'm gonna say yeah. that it was, it was probably Dean in the effort of trying to save Sam from something else. Sure, sure. I think, sure. It, I think it could be either. Maybe um, it was Piccolo blowing up the moon to stop Gohan from turning into a giant monkey. Who knows? Chris, we are not talking about anime right now. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Radical Edward, this little kid, uh, is able to hack into... Uh, So this is where the cops um, track down Radical Edward, who they've had this bounty on. And uh, Radical Edward is just, like, chilling in this, like, abandoned room, like, flying a drone around with a remote control. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really like when the cops bust in and he just... She just literally takes over their vehicle and they're both like what that's impossible (laughs) (laughs) not for radical edward it's not not for radical edward you dweebs uh then the bebop lands on earth and and chris i've talked about this before but i will literally never ever get tired of watching these spaceships land on water i think it is the coolest shit in the world like the the sound and the the way that it just kind of casually slips in is so cool Somebody was like a plane buff on the animation team, and they were like, I love the way that planes look when they fly, <laughs> and I'm going to put painstaking detail into making these ships land. Exactly right. And uh, on the Bebop, Faye kind of lands out the plan. So she's going to go look at all of these transmitters that, um, that that communicated with these satellites, while Jet goes to find out more about the, the local hackers in the area and figure out if they can figure out who it is. Um, and Spike is just straight up napping, and uh, I think this is where Radical Edward starts hacking the Bebop. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah, because it's just Spike there. He's just trying to chill out. Mm-hmm. She hacks in. Her face shows up at the TV. Scares the shit out of Ayn, the dog. I love that um, Ayn rolls up to this hacked computer and starts barking at it. Good dog. Good dog, Ayn. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now, I don't know. If, so, it, it cuts back, I think, to, um, to Faye and Jet. They're searching around, asking people in whatever little shanty towns there are, going from person to person, asking about this this person called Radical Edward, trying to get some details, and just about everybody gives an entirely different description of who this person is. Yeah, and they run the gamut of, uh, or Jet runs the gamut of people he can interview. There's like stoner dude, there's Asian guy, New York lady, small child, large child, like there's a bunch of different people and they all have different things to say, which is kind of cool. I like this idea of building a mythos for, for Edward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get Ed doing more hacking, which is what a lot of this episode is, is Ed hacking into shit, uh, where she starts to uh, to hack into the satellite. And uh, she realizes that no one has actually been hacking into this before. Like, she's the first one. Um, so it hasn't been some rogue hacker. It hasn't been Ed, who up until this point, I guess we were led to believe was the one doing it. Yes. Uh, it nobody has hacked the satellite, so it's just been sort of operating on its own. 
And Edward is surprised when she hears the voice that we heard at the first episode saying, never alone. And yeah. they this this satellite, this AI, introduces itself to Ed as the uh, central processing unit on the D-135 artificial satellite. Uh, and Edward promptly renames him MP because he's cute. Yeah. Uh, and Ed also reveals her extremely long made-up name that I, I, j- I couldn't even write down to this day. I've seen this show like a gazillion times, but I only know her as Edward. It's, uh, I, and I, I'm reading this from the Wikipedia, and I'm, no, I'm going to butcher some of this. It's Edward Wong Howe Papulu Tversky Fourth. Fantastic. <laughs> the the um, trivia section on that page also says it's a hint at how eccentric she is. So, Oh, it's quite quite the little hint. Um, and even while she's saying it, she's like doing like somersaults back and forth. She's just, she's the most anime character. And by that, I mean, she's the most like cartoon character. Yes. She does lots of crazy animated things that like, a human wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also reading a while back that she is based on Yoko Kano, who is the composer. She uh, made all the music for the show. Uh, the the director really? based Edward's behavior on the uh, musician's behavior because apparently she was just a wacky person. That's fascinating. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they um, her and MPU, this the satellite that she's affectionately named. Uh, they start to get to know each other, um, and they start to talk about Earth. And it seems like they're like they're dipping into some some philosophical. Um, conversations when the police suddenly jam the signal yeah and the mpu has has enough time to tell edward that the reason that it uh, did all of this damage the reason it created these carvings is because the carvings used to be there um and it when the humans were on the planet and it just got lonely and wanted something to look at so it carved it yeah in. it's like drawing friends sure yeah that's exactly what it is and then killing all of uh, killing like a thousand animals while you are you trying to <laughs> just, yeah it's you know a small price to pay um, back on the Bebop, uh, Jet has brought back this, these weird egg souvenir things. Like this is so set up as a gag that I felt like it was <laughs> yeah. just going over my head. I, di- I didn't, or or is it just as simple as like this is a weird souvenir from Earth because Spike wanted one? Yeah, I don't know. It's just they're just always doing weird things to like add color to the things that they're doing. It's yeah. like a little detail that you can't tell if it is the setup for something or if it's just it's just a detail. <laughs> <laughs> They do come up later, and I think Edward just eats all of them, whatever they are. But I, I didn't make any notes about it. Um, but everybody kind of shares their information. Basically, Jet says, you know, he's a he's a six foot tall, five year old Babylonian who plays basketball, and like it's just right. it goes all over the place. And then Faye is just basically like, hey, yeah, like all of these transmitters are active. Like I think something fishy is going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when Radical Edward once again breaks into the the Bebop's channel and kind of informs them about what's happening with the MPU. Uh, and Edward says, "Hey, I'll 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 help you out, but you have to promise me one favor." Yeah, and Faye is like, "I'm a fucking liar, and I absolutely do not give a shit." Of course, I'll give you a favor after you help us. Sure, yeah, that's no problem. I love how uh, I love how just how dirty Faye is with this stuff. She just she has, she has no honor. She has, she is dishonorable. She doesn't even blink. No, she doesn't it's, even question this. It's funny, like, I, I was just telling you how I was reading Harry Potter, and, like, I'm I'm having some, like, reflections about, you know, Harry generally does the, the right thing, but sometimes he's kind of a jerk about it. He's not always the nicest guy, and he will lie to people, like, to spare them their feelings, or, like, because he doesn't want to reveal the truth or whatever, but he always struggles for half a second, like, ugh, this feels kind of crappy, but I gotta lie to you. And just, you see somebody like Faye, a totally different type of character. I don't know why I'm fucking compared Faye Valentine to Harry Potter, but... <laughs> 
well, I mean, he, Valentine. He'd be just pretty right if it was book seven, Harry Potter. Like, it's just that first true. half of the book where he's like just being mean to Hermione the entire just fucking thing. Oh my god, you're, you're exhausting teenage guy. Paying off his gambling debt. <laughs> Listen, it was he was under the influence of the Horcrux, Jeremy. The fact that I have to even explain that to you. Uh, all right. Um, uh, so, too bad we don't do outtakes on this podcast, right? <laughs> we can yeah, get to a whole thing. Keep that in now. <laughs> So, uh, Edward has a plan. He says that if they mm-hmm. get close enough to the, um, or no, no, they, he, if they, they need to, um, kill the transmitters on this satellite. Yeah. Cause if they, they kill the transmitters, the, the it won't link, be able to, right. yeah, it won't be able to get out to the outside world and control the other satellites that all, for some reason are, are equipped with death lasers. It seems like a bad plan to put those out above earth, so, but what are you going to do? Yeah. A little risky, but Hey, I mean, shit's um, not going well anyway. Edward also kind of proves uh, that he knows all about them. Like he starts like laying out, like, "Yeah, last week you were doing this, and the week before you were doing that, but now I know all of your money is gone." Um, Edward tells them that they they to get to these transmitters, they can't use any kind of computer system, or else the AI will be able to take over it. Spike is unreasonably excited to be able to do He's this. Like, manually. Oh fuck yeah! No <laughs> tracking systems, like none of this fancy technology. I just gotta fly my plane mechanically. Like I'm into it. <laughs> And you know when we when we first started watching this, uh, I feel like every episode had a, th- a thing about Spike falling into something almost by accident, and then and then mm-hmm. working his way out of it with cool moves, basically, whether yeah, that was yeah. you know, flying or whatever. And we've had some of that, but it didn't feel quite as. Um, it, it felt more mission based, if that makes more sense. And right. this this definitely feels like he's like, yeah, this is my jam. Let's go. Absolutely. Three, two, one. Let's jam. Uh, so th- I was I was really excited to see Spike <laughs> get excited about this. Hell yeah. Um. So th- when you think about like this plan that they have, and, and they start to show it all, it's I. This is really really cool. I I always forget this part of the episode because my focus is on you know getting introduced to Edward, the final member of the Bebop crew for the rest of the show. Uh, but when they get out into space, and there are just these, I don't know if I'm I'm skipping a scene or not. These hundreds of of satellites with their lasers pointed everywhere, and then Spike just very slowly like tilting his his ship back and forth floating closer and closer to the intended target it's very cool and it's very silent and very still i love that the way that they compose these scenes and there's that that soft worrying noise as he like mm-hmm. readjusts his angle of approach where it's just it's very much like a mechanical um i'm playing you know you know this but the time of recording the uh, big update to no man's sky came out and uh, one of the things I like about No Man's Sky is that if you're sitting in your spaceship in space and you just move a little bit to look around, like you don't hit your your, your engines or anything, it makes mm-hmm. this exact same noise. So it literally goes like, and it feels yeah. it feels very cool. That's I also good. really like the fact that uh, Spike and Jet had to work together to rewire his. Um, does does his does his outside ship does his like mini ship have a name? Does that does that ever come up? Do you know, uh, Spike's ship. Mm-hmm. It's the Swordfish. Okay, so they had to rewire the, the swordfish to be able to be even run manually, which I thought was really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's just it's Spike doesn't do a whole lot in this episode, and I kind of like that Spike doesn't do a whole lot. I like that they just decide a main character doesn't give a shit about what's going on until it suits him, and, and then until he's like, oh, okay, that sounds like fun. This ridiculous action man challenge that I so enjoy doing. Yeah, until um, something, it adds a little until bit something of, fucking crazy happens, and he's like, yes, yeah, I'll be in. Yeah. It adds some character to him because he's just—he's a ridiculous person. 
Um, so he manages his approach and um, he, he starts to begin to aim and charge up his, his, his weapon. And uh, we've seen him fire this before. Uh, I don't know if that we got into the detail of like the way that this animation looks, but it's fucking beautiful. I'd really enjoy like the way that it, like charges up and like kind of moves back and forth and then just spits out as one giant laser beam. Dope. Love it. Um, yep, fuck yeah. But unfortunately, the MPU kind of noticed his approach and uh, moved some other satellites in the way to block him. So mm-hmm. uh, now... Faye has to get in there. They both turn their computers on, and they, it's an all-out attack as all of the satellites around them wake up. Lasers start flying everywhere, and they, they have to somehow defeat this evil AI in the middle of space uh, and stay alive at the same time. It's very funny to me that throughout all this, Faye starts firing off her missiles, all this stuff is going down, and like the missiles aren't hitting where they need to hit. They're being blown up or whatever. And, and Jet is just like, oh no, this is what happens when you buy cheap shit. <laughs> like, these, these cheap bargain-priced missiles that I bought aren't doing the trick now <laughs> just to, you know even even when they're they're um, getting bounties and making a little bit of money they're still like jet is just a little bit too frugal for his own good bell peppers yep. without the beef or whatever mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. uh same thing here he's just bought discount missiles and it's backfiring on him it's hilarious um edward eventually comes on the line and tells them like hey we you need to get close enough and then jack me in and I can take over the AI. Yeah, uh, if they get close enough, the other satellites won't fire at them because they, they don't want to destroy, want to destroy uh, the yeah. main one. And uh, But Faye should be the one to, 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 to be the distraction in all of this. And Faye's like, why me? And she, he's like, or, and Edward just says, I, I don't know, it's just you. You're, you're good at this. <laughs> like, there's no answer whatsoever. Like, I think he, I think she just wanted <laughs> Faye to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, it's... As if the show wasn't chaotic enough, as if this this group of people wasn't chaotic enough, interjecting uh, <laughs> Edward, this insane child, into the mix uh, is is beautiful. Are we are we selling how crazy Edward is during all of this? I don't know. We like Edward is wearing like a big white t shirt and like short black shorts. It has like spiky like orange red hair uh, with big old goggles, and she's just got like s- giant red circles drawn on her cheeks. Like she has rosy cheeks. Like. She's just, she is a ridiculous looking anime character. And she almost looks like she's got stretchy arms, like she doesn't. <laughs> but yeah. she's so lanky and just hopping around all the time. Uh, and it, it seems like the show really, like, we're going to get lots more of Edward in the future. Spoilers. Uh, the show just really takes pleasure in having Ed around doing really wacky stuff. So, luckily, the plan works. Faye distracts the uh, AI long enough for Spike to get close. Spike jacks Edward in. Edward says, hey, there's a bounty on you. Let me clone your AI. Why don't you come with us? And then I'll give the, the old clone to the to the police department, and they can they can deal with you. But at least this way that you'll survive. Um, mm-hmm. And then the MPU eventually agrees to this and, like, downloads itself into Edward's glasses, which kind of knocks Edward on, his, on her ass. Like, just like, ah, yeah. that's a big shock. Yeah. Um, this doesn't come up again? yet in the next in this episode or the next episode of like they have this weird sentient ai running around on the bebop i don't i don't remember (laughs) i mean does it ever or does it just i don't don't remember it literally does not matter like i'm I'm perfectly satisfied with it not ever coming up again so I don't remember. Um, but yeah, she says they can be friends. Mm-hmm. The AI lets... Because uh, the AI said it was, you know, there, alone, always alone, whatever it is. Uh, it was drawing its own friends. So she says, okay, we, we can be friends, you and I. So uh, come on in. She downloads it. Um, but like you said, she gets sort of like fried by the download. Um, and this is where we find out that the... Uh They've, they've always said that this was a weather satellite gone weird, yeah. but it turns out it was a spy satellite. Yeah. Uh, 
and it was uh th- they don't say this um but they they show like a an old united states flag on this so this mm-hmm. was a satellite that was put up here and it had commands to uh basically to 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 as long as it was receiving commands from a home base to to be cool and as soon as it stopped receiving those commands it went fucking crazy right right um but there's never so they, they they do get some sort of background on it, but there's never an explanation for why it was doing what it was doing, for yeah. why it was like redrawing the Nazca lines. And Edward just says that it was lonely, so it drew some friends. At least I think it was Edward. I didn't write down the speaker, but it was lonely, so it drew some friends. That spike, was this whole that, thing. That's actually a spike joint. Um, wow, wow. When when they're leaving the police department, uh, Jet asks, "It's like I don't. I wonder why it why it made all those animals." And Spike's like, "That's easy. It was lonely." Like Spike having like this natural understanding of this alien, not alien, mm-hmm. this this weird isolated AI. I think is is a really just the little that we know about his history. I think that kind of tells you something about him and, and, another, and his yeah. perception. Yeah, another droplet of color onto Spike's past or or Spike's self, I guess. Um, At the end of the episode. Uh, Edward is basically kind of waiting. He's she's got all of her like gear with her, and it's she says like, "Oh, okay, come over here and, and pick me up." And and Faye's like, "No, what are you doing? Talking to Jet? Just leave!" Like you know, the promises were made to be broken, especially this one. Yeah, and just buzz past past her it's to, so to leave. Sad. Him. Edward like, is just like not taking Edward. That's <laughs> 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 we should also say that she says her own name all the Constantly time. She refers talks, to talks about her the third person, person all the time. Yeah, uh, but of course this doesn't work because. Edward has already hacked the Bebop twice, yeah. so doing it so a third time to use her little remote control to bring them right back is no problem for her whatsoever, which results in this like the great time of Spike, Faye, and Jet all going like, Why are we going so fast downwards? What's happening? <laughs> really fun. Uh, but we uh, we learned that, you know, the the promise that uh, or the favor that, that Faye said she could do for Ed was to let her be a full member of the Bebop. Um, when she tried to break her promise, yep, Ed pulls her back, uh, and they're they're forced to to pick her up and, and let her join the crew. Uh, so it seems like okay, relatively happy ending. They did their thing and um, they picked up a new member. But as they're driving away, Big Shot comes on the TV, the Bounty Hunter show, and it just reveals that because there was uh, not an actual hacker involved in this, it was just the AI that there's no bounty. Yeah, because AIs are not considered sentient, and therefore they can't be tried or persecuted. So basically, it's a legal loophole for the government to get out of paying them the eight mil, uh, mm-hmm. which sucks and is about what we expect from uh, from Cowboy Bebop at this point. Right, right. There's um, a conversation between Spike and Jet where he asks Jet, you know, what is happening? Like, I, do you know the three things that I hate the most are kids, animals, and women with attitudes. And we, our ship is filled with all three. Yeah. And uh, this is at the point where we hear in the background Faye and Edward. Uh, kind of yelling at each other. Edward's laughing. Faye's yelling, and Faye says, "Oh, you're a girl." And yeah. <laughs> as we as they fly away from Earth, uh, you know, we the, the the planet rotates a little bit so that we can see the face of South America. And Edward has has driven her, has drawn her like face Giant her half her face, face yeah, thing, her tag yeah. on it, and which is really yeah. great. So enjoy yeah. that, Brazil. <laughs> Sorry, enjoy that planet, fucking Earth. <laughs> But what a great episode! Like introducing good this stuff. character, uh, finding out about Earth. The action in it is really good, although it's 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 a little bit less uh, fighty than I think we're used mm-hmm. to. But the the, mm-hmm. the whole combat scene with the satellite is so fucking beautiful and so great. I, I just I can't get over it. Yeah, this stuff is it, it, 
Cowboy Bebop continues to excel in, in almost every way. Uh, it's just such the, the casual way that they came down to Earth. They don't address any of the Earth shit that's going on. Like, it's color in the background. That's about all we get. Um, but, like, none of the, the cast is concerned about the state of Earth. This is None of this is a revelation to them. Uh, they don't really care about Edward, but somehow at the end of the episode, she ends up on their crew, and it just is what it is. And it's that same easy-come, easy-go thing that, that had Faye end up joining up with them. I like it too. Uh, you mentioned that they were kind of dismissive about Earth, and, and and they are. Like I think at one point, Faye even says, like, you know, it's just Earth. Earth people are weird, uh, yeah. as if to say, you know, that we weren't born there, and like, we have no connection to this place. It's just some random place that you know life maybe started at, but we don't care about it. Now everybody right. there is fucking strange and weird. Yeah, and, Spike and, was born on Mars, so yeah. <laughs> and, and we saw that when we kind of went through our our our, our tour of earth people looking for edward and seeing all of all of them they're all like they were caricatures but they were all weirdos like there were nobody there that you wanted to sit down and have a beer with let's just say that no no and yeah um this kind of this kind of working lore into your narrative and working this this giving you glimpses of a of a bigger hole and while it's not necessarily focusing on it and then also having your characters not focus on it or even really care that much is mm-hmm. really really interesting to me like that's that's a great way to tell a story it's yeah the it, it takes that bounty of the week format and just does so much with it without making it feel like each episode is full of exposition or each episode is a history lesson it's just you know wind blowing through the batwing doors of the saloon back and forth and that's kind of how we get to look at the world and it doesn't really matter what's on the other side because we're in here to drink it's just a very uh it's just a very cool show and we're back this one's Ganymede Elegy, written by Akiko Inari. Jet confronts his past on Ganymede, where a woman he loved, Alyssa, had left him without saying goodbye. Spike learns of a new bounty that has a connection to Alyssa. I just just want to point this out. She literally says goodbye. It's the only thing she says mm-hmm. to him is farewell. <laughs> like, I mm-hmm. just want to put that out there yeah. uh, right off the bat. Just IMDB.com. Yeah, way to go, this CW. <laughs> Actually, I think that was maybe... Um, that would maybe be the Wikia on that. I'm not, actually, I don't uh, remember where I'm pulling these from. So, anyway, this is a Jet like origin story. Goddamn ass. Yeah, I'm surprised that we're that we're getting Jet this early. I, I pictured this way later in the series, but um, here we are. Here's the thing that I like about this episode the most is that uh, it is ostensibly a Jet origin story, similar to the mm-hmm. way that uh, Spike we had a, that Spike origin story, um, and we have had one for you know Faye and Ayn and um, and Edward now, but it doesn't actually technically explain who these people are like it tells it's true it tells why jet is on the is, is on the bebop like we know that we don't know why he has a metal arm we don't mm-hmm. know like we there's still stuff that we don't know about him just like spike there's a there's a whole lot of things left uh, untold about that dude um this is going to go a long way to explaining some stuff with jet but i don't think that it completely encapsulates him as a character uh, right it helps you understand who he is again yes. you get you get history but you don't get details and this is when people talk about um, 
origin stories. Like I have a mm-hmm. big problem. I watch it as people know, I watch a lot of superhero bullshit and uh, I am, I'm kind of done with, for instance, the Spider-Man origin story. I never need to see him like get mad at the wrestling promoter and not trip the, the thief and <laughs> uncle Ben dies for the fourth time. Like I don't need to see any of that ever again. And Marvel did a really smart thing. and didn't really show us any of that just recently. This feels kind of like that. Like it feels like we got dropped in the middle of this. And then later on they explain some of the stuff, but they don't actually like straight up tell, you like show you what's happening which i know that's a you know that's a common thing that everyone tries out show don't tell show don't tell but this is mm-hmm. a, a really good example of making that work of making me like the character and then showing me things about about how that character that i like so much was created and making yeah. me like them more it helps you connect with with jet on an emotional level when you understand what one event at least in his past was but again it doesn't tell you Jet was born on Ganymede, and he worked really hard, and he had a father who was a cop, and he followed his foot. Like, it doesn't tell you all of these things. It tells you one little vignette. It gives you one little story, one verse to the entire song that is the life of Jet. And because we've heard that, because we've seen this, now we can connect with Jet. Now we understand a little bit more the way that he is, and, you know, the way that, that was her name, Elisa, reacts to him. Uh, it helps us understand how jet then reacts to other people on the bebop and it's yep. again it's it's very it's done very well i may i may have told you this before so stop me if i have there's a skit i think it was on saturday night live it could have been just on some random skit show of um it was basically like the the the, the explanation group meeting where like three or four people are standing around at a party and like one guy says hey what's your name it's like oh i'm i'm jeremy this guy over here is my uncle he and like explains the uncle's origin story <laughs> like it's very much it was like that's what tv shows do nowadays uh-huh. oh hi yeah this is this is my uncle mike uncle mike was 19 in 1972 uncle mike was blah 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 and i like that this show avoids all of that pretty definitely mm-hmm. um, um sometimes it just makes me jealous of like how cool cowboy bebop is and how yes. well it does everything like yes. where do you where do you get off how do you how do you like here's the thing that really good art makes me mad about I, I just it always looks at me and instead of challenging me to make good art it just makes me think i will never make good art right right <laughs> how did this possibly how get could made? i possibly ever do anything <laughs> yeah. this good in my whole life exactly right um, the other thing that i wonder if if we're maybe not giving enough credit to is the the dub and the translation uh because it feels good the translation really works well and I wonder how much of that contributes to, to how much we appreciate Cowboy Bebop, because of course there's there's translation or uh, from like Japanese to English, and then there's translation into uh, or interpretation rather as the interpretation into like how would an English speaking person say this? And I think that sometimes that is what's lacking in and at least around this era, that's what was lacking in some anime, is you're getting a, a, a direct translation from the Japanese, so when it's said in English, it sounds a lot clunkier, um, or it doesn't flow as well, and, and it kind of muddies the water a little bit, just because it's you know two languages with different structures that work differently, and if you just try to ape one, the other isn't going to sound right. But the interpretation that goes into the scripts for these seems like it was it was handled with with great care and it, and it shows yeah this is a this is often debated in, in video games um you know about the about translation teams um censoring things or changing things or, or what have you um the, the one of the best anecdotes i remember is the uh the the 8-4 team uh when they were translating near automata uh there, there's a one particular line in there um 
that I don't actually want to spoil, but it was the use of an expletive, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was the use of the word fuck. Um, or actually, I, I take that back. It was it was the non-use of an expletive. It was, it was kind of beeped out, basically. Um, this is not just doing a terrible job explaining it, but they... Some people were like, "Oh, that's you know that that's a lot." I bet I bet they they interpreted that, and they 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 scaled that up. Like I, I bet in the original translation that it's not quite that intense. And uh, they did an interview, and they were like, "Actually, in the original, it's way more intense. We thought that would be way too much for it, so we had to kind of interpret it to be able to fit the the culture that we were that we were going after, which I thought right. was kind of fascinating. Like you're absolutely right. The the dub is is fantastic in getting across everything that it everything that like it feels very natural. It never. Feels feels uh mm-hmm. awkward like a bad dub does because boy right. i don't know if we've talked about it on, on a podcast yet but i watched that uh that witcher tv show from poland in the 1990s huh. and oh boy oh boy I, the, yeah. just the sub on that like it was there's parts of that show where uh there's just an entire paragraph of text on top of the screen you can't see anything but the text it is ridiculous. that's how uh that's how watching like illegal subs for a lot of anime is it's yeah. just like it's it's fan translated so it's it's people who don't have a firm grasp of writing who understand both languages and they they translate what it said um and you can always tell when when people use certain words like oh you watch an illegal version of this you aren't watching the officially translated version which whatever um but it's there i think that it's interpretation is is a huge part of it and it's like an unsung hero of a good anime adaptation yeah it's somebody with a um with a with a heart of gold and about 10 percent of a of a, of a foreign, <laughs> foreign language degree yeah. just really yeah. putting in some work um right. well let's get into the episode we, 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 we just we, said we're not going to spend a lot of time on yes and 20 minutes on a translation <laughs> so we're having a great day today um we, we start with a um a bounty a bounty head, which I think this is the first episode that they start calling the bounty heads. I don't think we've mm-hmm. picked that up before, but um, also this is the first episode that it starts where they've already caught somebody. caught the dude. I, I like that a lot. He's tied up in uh, in the bebop, and Ayn is is kind of growling at him a little bit when he kicks a can at, at Ayn, and uh, Ayn has to like scurry away. Immediately afterward, Edward kind of drops out of the vent above him and then starts flipping around and acting super yeah. weird, and then just literally jumps on him and starts biting him as if Edward was a dog pretending to be a dog and this bounty hunter has no idea how to handle this shit at all no um there's a point where he's almost like blushing <laughs> yeah just so like i don't know what, if embarrassed or what is happening right now yeah it's just ed ed being wacky um and then i think from there we we just cut to brooding jet which is mm-hmm. not something that we see a lot of and he is sort of contemplating this this watch in his hand and and he's he's having a flashback of some sort where he's seeing this watch and he's seeing these images um and he's totally distracted from his surroundings yeah um this pocket watch counts to 15 right it's it's a weird thing to count to um i'm just wondering is ganymede's hours it's completes revolution in seven days and three hours i was curious if it was instead of like a 24 hour day it had a 30 hour day oh god i bet i fucking bet that that is some little freaking detail that they put into this goddamn pocket watch that it's not a 24 hour (laughs) pocket watch a quick uh, a quick google search does not reveal this for me but i'm not i'm not going to get deep into it so but that's that was not assume yeah that that is their deft their deft little detail there it Um, also looks very um steampunky like it's it's like a leather thing with some iron bracing around it wearing Uh, a top hat and a monocle yes absolutely Absolutely, it gender bent uh, the Harley Quinn and Joker <laughs> cosplay. Um, it uh, 
<laughs> Sorry. I hate it so much. <laughs> uh, and most notably, it's not running. It stopped It stopped working. And uh, uh-huh. he, as he's looking at it, he starts remembering this thing and it's rem- having memories. And uh, it's of a woman walking away in the rain. Uh, it's gorgeous. I know I keep using gorgeous mm-hmm. and beautiful and, and great. Like I need to go find a thesaurus and have it out when we do this podcast because yeah. the way that it is, is animated with the rain coming down and her walking away, it's it's very noir and it's very just it's just it's just so good looking. Like I just I find myself stopping to just like and just staring at the screen while this is on, which of course is what, yeah. what you know I'm supposed to do. Um and she she walks away in the rain and she leaves behind the watch which and on top of a of a note or an envelope. We're gonna find out later it's a note. Um Spike and Faye kind of bring him out of his reverie, and it's like, "Hey, what are you what are you doing? Like, we're we got to land on, on Ganymede and turn into this bounty." And, and Jet hasn't even you know asked for permission to land yet. Like, he's that's how out of it he is, yeah, which is really yeah. they're getting really close, and he's like, "Oh fuck, I have to have to do the whole thing." And uh, Faye starts kind of ribbing him, like, "What are you? you you're from Ganymede, right? Like, are you, are you trying to have some memory of some thing about some sweet thing?" And uh, <laughs> Jet doesn't really respond to this kind of ribbing very well. He's not really into this at all. Uh, he's a little prickly. S- he's a little prickly. You could kind of tell that they're about to get back into it when they when they have a phone call from Ganymede. Yeah, it's it's the the what I don't know if it's the local cops or it if it's mm-hmm. just because Jet recognizes whoever it is on the phone because we're going to learn. I think and I think we may have actually already learned in previous episodes that Jet used to be a cop and no. apparently he was a cop on Ganymede. This is this is where we learn this. This is where we learn this. Great. I guess it was just something that Chris knew. <laughs> yeah, this was just something that Chris knew. I I I was I was this was a news to me. And Faye comments on it too. She's like, "Oh, that explains it." And Spike says, "What?" Like, yeah. "Oh, he's he's a cop. That's why we don't get along." Um he we also find out that he used to be called a, the Black Dog because once he mm-hmm. got his teeth in something, he would never let go. Uh, oh yeah. Which sounds like something just any dog would do, not necessarily a, a black dog. So I don't know what's happening there. Um, I just, just it's just really weird, like the nicknames that people like come up with sometimes. Yeah, because you gotta, you like, I can't help but think how a nickname like that would work in real life. Because of course you know people who have nicknames, and it's always like, yeah, well, you know, why do people call you Bucko? Oh, you know, it's just this one time I did this stupid thing, and my buddy said Bucko, and then from then on, it's like the, none of these these stories ever make sense. But then they're like, call him Black Dog because of this metaphor that I'm about to explain to you. <laughs> I, um, We're all very artistic. <laughs> <laughs> I have um, I have two friends, uh, Hardcore Chris and Hardcore Chris Number Two, because we knew two Chris's that were so hardcore that they deserved that moniker. So we had to oh specify between them. Um, yeah, nicknames are, are super dumb. Always. I, I work with a guy named Porky, mm. and the dude's name is um, <laughs> shit. Don't I can't remember. It. I can't remember if it's Jason or. I don't remember what his real name is. It's something with a J, but like occasionally he makes deliveries and stuff. And so like, I'll get a phone call. It's like, Hey dude, some, some guy named Porky just came by. Man, I can't, I can't call a grown man Porky. What is that dude's <laughs> real name? Like I get that phone call. I've gotten it two or three times mm, so far. That's fantastic. Anyway, um, this, this, his cop friend tells Jet that, Oh yeah, Alyssa, like you probably want to know what's happening with her. She's, she's got a bar down, uh, you know, down by the way. And she ran up a bunch of debt to, uh, to a guy and you know, you should probably go see her sometime. And, uh, and Jet's like, Yep, that's definitely what I'm going to do, and that's literally the next scene. Excuse <laughs> yeah. me, next scene of the show. Yeah. This song that plays is really great. It's one of those oh, you know so slow good. jazzy numbers yeah. that just it really fills your heart with whatever the hell is in front of you. If I if I can find it, that will probably be the uh, intermission music for this episode. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and even like while all that is happening, we get some like intermission stuff with uh, Faye tanning and Edward just being so utterly confused by what is happening here. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, the jet going down to Ganymede and getting all of these slices of life things that are happening. Mm-hmm. I, I love this, Chris. Like the, the 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 workers at the docks, the kind of abandoned streets. Like it's very much a like a blue collar, beautiful area. Like the, there's this huge, amazing sea, and you know, Ganymede in, in science fiction is always like the the kind of bountiful, like where we're going to grow all of our food, where we're going to get all yeah. of our food from. Um, and it's it's just it's like the way that they have this presented. It like it feels alien and familiar at the same time, which is how I feel right. like a like a natural colonization of a planet would end up. Ganymede reminds me a lot of the city of Boston, where mm-hmm. there's, you know, it is, it's an old city with history, but you have, you know, skyscrapers and you have, you know, freaking billionaires. And there's that section of the city. Of course, it's like that in any city. But then there's also the docks and then there's these abandoned streets and these old corners that people forget about. And, you know, there's a little bar where somebody could hide away and, and live out their life. Um, and it's just all, all walks of life. And I'm sure, yeah, again, plenty of cities are like that. But this, especially, you know, being from Boston, it reminds me of that city uh, in, in a cool way. Um, and we're just getting these little snapshots as Jet sort of heads off down to, to this bar to, to Elisa's. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, having spent a, a total of like maybe eight days in Boston over my entire life, I can 100% agree with you and tell you that you were right because <laughs> it feels like very <laughs> much like that. Um, Boston's a fun city. I should get up to Boston more often. That's where I live. Uh, so Spike goes Jet to walks collect- into the bar. Yeah. Well, no, Spike goes to collect the bounty. We have to have this. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And I forgot coming- all about Spike. Yeah. <laughs> he's just sort of in the background for most of this episode. Um, it's interesting that he's taken a back seat for what this is the second episode in a row. Yeah, of course. He's expecting he- him to be the hero guy of this whole yeah. thing. It's just I, I think that's what's been billed to us for you know the first handful of episodes, and now it's letting the rest of the cast now that they're all collected, it's letting everyone shine a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which I which I'm grateful for because I think if you just had these guys tagging along with Spike, it would be a, a much different dynamic. Um, right. There's no is, leader to this group, so so Spike can't be leading them places. Yeah, ostensibly, like I'm curious who owns the fucking ship. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I guess it's, it's got to be Spike, or, I mean, I right? And, and I guess has, it's Jet rather, but yeah, uh, I don't know. It, Spike doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would like be in a position where he could own a ship. It very much feels like yeah. a Jet thing, but who knows? Um. So Spike is coming out, and he's confronted by by Faye, who starts kind of making fun of uh, Jet for going after her, his, you know, long lost girlfriend or whatever. And he and Spike's just like, you know, not every woman is like you. Like some women are, are like worth basically saying worth pursuing, which <laughs> which pisses Faye off quite a bit. Yeah, um, yeah. And then Jet shows up at this, uh, or no, this is where Faye does our whole like eye candy routine about, mm-hmm. and she starts slathering up the the sun tanning oil, right? Right, right, uh, and it's just this. It, it's a yeah, it's a ridiculous eye candy scene that they just throw there, um, just for the sake of it, I guess. Here's here's the thing about this though that, that I that I kind of like. Uh, they they incorporate Edward into this in a good way, which mm-hmm. we'll get to in a minute. But like, it's not. It's definitely treated like eye candy, uh, and she's she's. I mean, she's wearing a very tiny tiny bikini or whatever. Uh, but it's not lingered on for any length of time. Like it's, it's just there and it's something that this person might actually naturally be doing. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, she doesn't have anything else to fucking do. She's, she's waiting for the owner of the just, ship to come back. Yeah. They just cashed out. She's not interested. There's even the scene of her laying there where the ship like blazes by her and it like shakes her hair around everywhere. Cause it's yeah. just like, she doesn't give a fuck. 
uh, Ed sipping on a martini. <laughs> just having a great time. Yeah, I got paid. I got nothing to do. I'm on the, one of the most beautiful planets in the world, or beautiful moons in the world. Like I got in, in the solar system. I'm I'm having a great day. I'm a, I'm gonna get a little suntan in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ed comes out. out and asked her basically asked her like you know why she's doing what she's doing, and she goes into this long thing about that a you know a perfect skin regimen to, to maintain a youthful looking skin. You have to. Uh, um, it's a never-ending bite, uh, never-ending fight that you can't quit, but you never win, or something. Which is, is I don't know. I'm butchering the, the quote. I don't that's know if you. Good wrote line, it down. though. Yeah, uh, I just think well, that's could have been a throwaway fan service scene. They like still managed to add just a little bit of characterization. Yeah, like it, it makes her more of a. Um, because I'm sure, like, because you, you, you date Jess, and I'm obviously married to Autumn. Like, women take that shit extremely seriously, mm-hmm. uh, way more seriously than I've ever cared about any part of my body whatsoever. Yeah. So. Yeah. Jess is constantly uh, criticizing the very, very slight wrinkles that I have on my face. <laughs> like, I'll always be sitting there like, I just, I don't know if it's because of just my general disposition or my poor eyesight, but I'm always sort of scowling or squinting. And it's like, well, they're watching TV or we're walking and she'll like tap my forehead and she'll be like, stop, stop doing that. <laughs> like, wait, That's hilarious. What? She's like, you're going to get wrinkles. Stop. <laughs> Um, selling Autumn out a little bit. I don't think that we go outside without her putting at least a small amount of suntan lotion. Not suntan lotion, but like some sort of sun blocker on or sunblock with lotion thing. I don't know what it is. Yeah, like Jess has so many bottles when she comes to stay. I'm like, what are these things? Yeah. And what do you do with them all? Welcome but, to uh, Don't Give Up Your Wives, the podcast where Chris and I yeah. compl- just basically tell stories out of school about our girlfriends and wives. So Welcome to male ignorance. <laughs> Enjoy your stay. Um... Edward kind of like rubs her face on on Faye's leg and is like, "Wow!" And Faye just is, you could tell she's just so fucking done with this kid. It's really yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, this is where Jet finally shows up at the bar, uh, mm-hmm. Alyssa's bar, finds it kind of completely busted looking. It's totally empty except for one weirdo looking dude. Uh, there's there's nobody in it. It looks really really run down. He asks the dude for Alyssa, and, she, and the dude's like, "Alyssa isn't here." She left, and of course Alyssa just walks out immediately. Very afterwards. casually reaching for a gun. <laughs> yeah, just gonna literally just reach into my into my shirt for a gun. Like, it's come on, dude, calm down. That, that we find out this woman has dated both of the men in this scene yes. because he's wearing this bright yellow like popped collar yellow jacket um with his long cool 80s mullet he's just like a pretty boy who belongs in guns and roses or something and then you got jet who's just a big old wall of meat it's funny too because it's going to play into the end of the uh end of the episode like her her choices mm-hmm. here are actually going to are going to make sense like this seems really weird at first of like if you had somebody like jet why would you ever date rent who <laughs> was his name <laughs> which is fucking rent until it, they actually showed his name on screen all of my notes i had him as uh as Brent, which actually I think is funnier. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Brent, like that's Jet, just like refusing to acknowledge his real name. Fucking just Brent keeps calling here. him Brent or Bront or Bront Bryant, like just constantly to his face. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Alyssa tells uh, Brent to get gone, and uh, they kind of they kind of sit down, and Jet. They basically kind of catch up a little bit. Um, she says mm-hmm. that this is going to be my last. You're going to be my last customer. I'm shutting down the bar. Um, Jet says, "Is it a money thing?" And she's like, "No, not really." Uh, Jet kind of asked about rent, and she says that they're married and they have three kids. And you could tell that freaks him out. And she starts laughing at him because it's not true. But they are dating, so he, he is mm-hmm. a little kind of weirded out. 
uh, and at this point, he can't help himself but to get a little serious. And he pulls out that that steampunk pocket watch, yeah. and he flips it on the back, and there's just a beautiful picture of Joker, but dressed as Harley Quinn, <laughs> and <laughs> he's making out with Robin, who is dressed as Batman, and it's so good. And then he flips it over, and he asks her, "Do you remember?" Uh, which is which is a pretty powerful line. Like, we have no idea what's fucking going on yet. I think this is cool. Yeah. He says, why so serious? And she, uh, <laughs> she kicks him out of the bar. And then we uh, shut down this podcast scene, forever. Why are we, yeah. why do we why, what is this joke? <laughs> I don't know. He, he gets all serious on her. He pulls this out. But the, the best thing about this scene, which is already a great scene, is the quick flashes to her face while she's like pouring his drink, while she's talking, while she's doing whatever she's doing at the bar. He's quick flashes to her face where it's not like the camera is panning to her. It's showing Jet and then it's like quickly spiking back to just her face and then it'll show her doing what she's doing back to Jet quick flash to her face like it's Jet stealing little glances of her yeah. like he, he's it's Jet like out of the corner of her eye looking, looking over at her face he can't quite bring himself to make the full eye contact with her but he's stealing these little glances and it's such a cool little animation thing to do i guess um, well, it's, it's almost a, it's a cinematography thing to me yeah um yeah. and and interspersed with that is this shot of um one of those like bird feeder kind of things that you know you put in a glass of water and it has perpetual motion essentially it just mm-hmm. always moves and it's done as almost like a and, and, I, and you've, i'm sure we've both been in situations like this before most people have with a, a significant other where you, you have these moments of awkward silences and like you can hear a clock or you can hear something clicking yeah. in the background all that ambient noise which you would normally just completely ignore starts coming to life and i can only just imagine that bird light just click 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 as they start stealing looks from one another and they neither one wants to say anything first because it's awkward and it's bad and no one knows what to say it just brings out the tension in the scene in such a such a great way and also it's not the clicking or the ticking of a clock it is this bird thing this thing in perpetual motion that at the same time is perpetually standing still it's them standing still in time it's more specifically it's jet standing still in time you know he's done all of this movement all of this uh lifting his head up back and forth going back and forth but it, after even after all these years, he's still standing in the same place. He's still standing in the place where he was when he saw her walk away when he picked up the watch. Meanwhile, back on the on the bebop, uh, Spike is kind of repairing the swordfish, and um, which I, I, I like. I like seeing I like seeing mm-hmm. this like kind of daily life stuff a, a whole lot. Uh, when he gets a phone call from Jet's friend, who says, "Hey, I just want to give you a heads up. There's a bounty. Uh, is this guy Rent? We see a picture of him." It's of course Alyssa's boyfriend. Uh, Spike almost falls off the of the bebop yeah, entirely yeah. as he's juggling screwdrivers and, and telephones and things in between, uh, which is really funny. And uh, basically, we we learn that Rent is uh, was involved in some sort of altercation on the docks, and he ended up killing a uh, a local moneylender, a lo- local yeah um, yeah. Uh, Loan shark. Loan shark. Thank you. Money lender. Yeah. Wow. Listen to me. <laughs> Same thing, I guess. Yes, yes my lady. Would you like to meet my money lender? <laughs> um, I enjoy this next scene because we see, again, we're talking about like just like kind of still life shots almost. Faye is, is, is like glowing platinum in the sun because she, <laughs> yeah. she, she's oiled herself up so much. Edward is, is fishing. She pulls up like these weird three headed gulls underneath the water, which look gross and bad. Uh, and then, and then Spike takes just like shoots off and with, with the ship to trace the bounty and it blows everybody's hair off. And it's just, it's just really good. Like, I love these kind of moments where everyone's just chilling a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. And it, it just shows like Spike is so, so ready to jump into action when he's bored. Like he just, just wants to get on his ship and fly away and blaze past everybody while Faye is just the ex- exact opposite route and she's just chilling the fuck out. 
Yeah, so uh, he tries to call Jet. Jet does not answer the phone, obviously. Um, he's busy having this conversation with Asia where he's telling her, like, hey, you know, when we were together, I would come home every day and you would be waiting for me. And that's that's what I needed. I didn't need anything else but you. I just needed you to be there. And then yeah. one day he came home, he finds the the pocket watch and the note that says farewell. And she's gone. And she doesn't give him any more information than that. And he says it, it, it almost didn't even feel like it took it. he was broken up with. Like, he felt just... It took him a while to kind of come to terms with yeah, any of this. And it didn't he, feel real. And then he went totally numb. And then he said, "You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and create a new life for myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to, to go live this life. And if I'm not going to come here until this pocket watch stops, and of course the pocket watch is stopped. So he came back to Ganymede to come talk to Alyssa to find out why she left him. Yeah, it's he. It's it's interesting that he kind of set this limit for himself like he like he always planned on coming back i don't think in jet's mind he ever pictured himself moving on completely like if he held on to this pocket watch in that way that meant that he was still hanging on to the past he was waiting for it to stop he was waiting for the chance to come back and and see if he could talk to her again and she tells him that you know that's that was a story from a long time ago and and she and she's completely forgotten about it and she tells yeah. him very specifically as she leaves that time never stands still because as you mentioned he's been kind of frozen in time for this he's been waiting for this moment uh, and does not allow himself to do anything but this and now that it's here she's she, she doesn't really she doesn't she, she's not she doesn't want to engage with this this is his right. thing almost he says in like such a sad way that he just wants to know why she left and then her quote is something to the effect of the way you talk about it you seem to think that time really has stopped here that's a story from long ago, and I'd forgotten about it. Time never stands still. And then they hit you with this great, sad guitar song again. Uh, I-, I love all of this, by the way. If we haven't if we haven't been effusive enough over this, I'm absolutely mm-hmm. in love with this. Jet leaves, and uh, as he's as he's walking away from Alyssa, or as he's walking out of the bar, he notices Rent on the docks trying to light a cigarette. Uh, he doesn't know that Rent is remembering the night before where he was involved in this altercation with um, whoever this dude's name was when he got a gun away from somebody and shot this dude, kind of in in yeah. the heat of passion, right in the heat of the right. moment. Uh, Dude's not like a cold blooded killer. He he just was in a in a tough situation, and like the the constant clicking of the lighter, it's like. It's they do same, so many great little things. Yeah, they it's they that show same us, little effect. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so good. Um, Spike, or excuse me, Jet just walks off. Um, <laughs> we get this kind of it's very brief montage of Spike looking for rent, and Spike just literally causing traffic jams because he's yes. landing his, his swordfish <laughs> in the middle of the street. So fucking good, and like talking it's to people so trying good. to figure stuff out. I love that he's man. So inconsiderate. <laughs> not, he just does not give a shit. He doesn't care he doesn't at all. Even think about it. <laughs> Um, Jet gets in his ship and leaves. Meanwhile, Rent is back in Alyssa's bar, kind of freaking out that when he finds out that uh, Jet was a bounty hunter, saying it's all over. Uh, Alyssa reassures him, like, "Hey, this is not your fault. Like, I shouldn't have borrowed money from that dude. I put you in this situation, um, and we should get out of here. We should try to run." So they mm-hmm. jump in the, this extremely cool looking. It's like you know we have those airboats down here that I'm sure you've seen, which are just giant mm-hmm. fans on, on on like this thinnest piece of aluminum you could possibly yeah. imagine between you and alligators. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like a souped up future version of that it's got two fans and thicker aluminum it's awesome uh, it's it's a it's a really cool boat i, I was really into this thing yeah. for some reason uh, um go ahead 
Well, yeah, they uh, they just decided it's time for them to speed the frick out of there. But, yep. um, I mean, Spike is already on their heels. And I think that at this point, Spike has almost crashed into Jet, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Uh, because they're both coming in different directions. And it happens It happens in just a minute. where Because yeah. he has to, as they as they run into like this building that Spike can't find him, he has to fly straight up and then almost runs into <laughs> Jet. Right. Which is, again, just like so funny to me for some reason. Like, it's just hilarious. And he's like, hey, got this bounty. <laughs> Gonna head after these people now. <laughs> and Jet, I don't think he still has any idea uh, what's going on. No, not not yet. Um, and I think this time we, we get some more music playing here, which is always a lot of fun. It's like just it's, these, this great acoustic guitar like throughout yeah, this entire episode. It's I just, love it's this. It's like seeping into every pore of this thing. Jet, once he realizes that it's a listen rent that he ch- that he's they're chasing, tells Spike to, to to basically go away. Like, hey, I'll take care of this. I'm the black dog, and when I bite, I don't let go. Yeah, this and, is my old beat when I was a cop. I'm yeah. the black dog, and when I bite, I don't let go. I have no regrets about her, but I'll settle the score on my own turf. And Spike understands this, and he's like, "Oh, justice and duty. I got it. I understand." So and leaves him to it. So now it's just Jet and. Jet literally chasing his ex-girlfriend and her new boyfriend, uh, which mm-hmm. if you kind of pull yourself back a little bit, like, yo, Jet, <laughs> what you doing, dog? <laughs> yo, ease up. <laughs> How long Maybe let's since you've seen this take girl? this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so Jet kind of demands that they pull over. They don't, of course. And then we get this great chase scene. I, I mean, I just can't, I can't talk about how just amazing the all of the action scenes in this are like they're yeah. blazing through these small canals he gets some first person stuff as yeah. he's, he's driving the the speedboat or whatever it is man it's so good like it, uh, everything behind it is so we realized it's it's one of those things where i just wanted to pause and like repeat stuff on loops mm-hmm. so good and then <laughs> we get all this cool stuff happening and then jet just catches them with a giant fucking hook that he shoots <laughs> off the edge of his ship <laughs> That's so awesome. Why does a spike have a giant fucking hook? That's a dope thing to have on your on your it's on your like, spaceship, on your flying whatever. <laughs> seems like it's pretty clutch. It seems like it could um, be useful if you were trying to catch somebody, like, which is ostensibly their job. Yeah. They uh he, he like hooks onto the engine and they just keep trying in vain to pull away until finally it just rips the engine right off of the, the boat and they kinda just drift forward. Yeah, and they kinda crash land into uh the the side of this um you know, seawall or whatever. Notably, mm-hmm. right as they were ripping the engines off, Alyssa uh, reached over and picked up the gun, picked up Ren's yeah. gun as he was driving. So uh, Jet lands the plane and walks over to him, and then she draws down on him and aims the gun at him. And uh, it's a it's a kind of standoff, and a a police a police like flying ship thing arrives in the middle. Uh, but Jet is, is 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 slowly but surely approaching her and does not stop, even though she has a gun pointed at him. Um, and that's when, you know, she's firing at his feet, but she's not really shooting at him. He's getting closer and closer, slowly approaching her. Uh, and he starts to say that, kind of deciding the situation for her, saying, like, you'll be an accomplice if you don't stop this right now. Like, I'm not going to drag you into this, but you need to put that gun down and you need to stop firing at me and step away from him. Otherwise, you're in trouble, too. Uh, and this is where, because she kind of, like, takes her whole thing out on Jet and says, that's just how you were back then. You decided everything. You were always right. I wanted to live my own life, make my own decisions, even if they were terrible mistakes. And in that moment, like you kind of have to respect this woman. She's She had an easy life with Jet. She had probably had a good life with Jet, but it wasn't her own life. It was his life. This dude coming home 
every night after work, and she just had to be there for him. And he was always right about everything because that's the way the Jet is. He's this this fatherly figure to everybody around him. And you have to figure he was probably like that with this woman that he was dating as well. And he probably never had bad intentions. He just wanted the best for people. But because of that, he was so stubborn and he he had the, the, the last call and everything. And it probably drove her away from him. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, that, that idea of I wanted to make my own decisions, even if they were mistakes, is, is very powerful. Like you cannot... Even you cannot tell somebody how to live their life, no matter what. You, you may think that you're right. You may think that you know everything for them, but they they have to be able to make their own mistakes. And like that applies to not just these romantic relationships, but you know that's that's your family, that's your friends, that's everybody. Right. Like you can't control anybody, and that's you know that's that's why it's difficult to be friends with people sometimes because you know you you, you want the best for them, but they just keep messing up. Uh, right. And it explains the the difference in her her choice of partner because. She would obviously like kind of flip and go from the the stoic cop, you know, that with honor and duty, or is it justice and honor or justice and duty, um, that had this idea of the clear idea of right and wrong and would only pursue that to probably the more hot headed, um, excitable but more passionate mm-hmm. for life, you know, criminal guy <laughs> who, <laughs> who's probably not like an actual criminal, but you know, just yeah. came up and you know without a lot of opportunities, I guess is what I would say. Um, and it's it's kind of fascinating that this gets turned around on Jet, and I think Jet had no idea, right? And it's 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 right. sad because if she had told him this, you know, however many years ago, it I don't think that it would have sunk in like it was like it was sinking now that he's had time yeah. to reflect. Right. But I don't know, I don't know. I, I'm I'm curious to get your opinion on that. It 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 seems like Jet didn't realize any of this until this very moment. But he's in the position right now, even throughout this chase, seeing how desperately she wanted to get away from him, how desperately she was running for her life with this person who had made this bad mistake. It's suddenly, it's like watching it all unfold before him, hearing her words, it finally has clicked in Jet's head. Um, but in response to all that, he walks over to Rint and he punches him in the face when he tries to run away. Mm-hmm. But rather than just like, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> Uh, she's my lady now. He's like, no, you need to be strong. You need to take care of her. You're not going to go to jail forever. You know, like you're going to get off. I think he tells her after, like, you'll probably get off on self-defense or something. Like, it's not going to be the end of the world yeah. for these two. But he, this guy needs to, to stick by what he's done. Um, because mistakes are okay, but you have to own up to them. And, uh, not to, not to push through it too fast, but uh, Jet says, I don't think you'll be waiting very long, because time never stands still. Uh, and he's finally sort of taken her lesson to heart. He's he's finally ready to let go of this portion of his life, and symbolically, obviously, he takes the watch and he tosses it into the water. Have you ever, um, and if this is too personal, let me know, but have you ever been in a situation like this, where you, you sort of pine over a girl and there's no communication between you and then like first time that you meet like it's it's incredibly important to you and that that feeling of just like the punch in the gut when you realize you are not important to her whatsoever mm-hmm. like and she's she mm-hmm. like you have been spending all this time thinking of her and then she has not been thinking of you at all <laughs> uh it's it's got to be one of those things where you start like questioning your life choices like what could i've been doing with all of that energy and all of those all of these things that i've been thinking all of the times that i was like spent focusing on her who did i miss in my life and i wonder if that's what's going through jet's mind as, as all of this is happening and it's interesting in like those situations too to have um almost a similar but opposite reaction of like, oh, you spend all this time thinking about something, thinking it's important, and then you meet them face to face, and you think, this 
this doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> this doesn't matter yeah. at all. What was I doing? <laughs> Why did I care? Yeah. All of a sudden, all of that dis- is disappears. Like it, like you popped a balloon, and it's like, whoa, right. wait a minute, what, what's happening? And it, it doesn't. You know, I don't want to say that that Jet's balloon was popped, but it's almost like he, he, he woke up. He stopped dreaming. The dream mm-hmm. is over. Um, for better or for worse, the dream is over. And uh, and in the final scene, he tosses the pocket watch into the water and walks away. Mm-hmm. What a what a, what an incredibly what an incredibly dope show this is, Chris. It's a very good show. It's a really good show. I, I like the show a lot. Uh, I, this this episode, like like we said at the start, it's a really good non origin episode. Like we're, they're not telling us, you know, specifically what why who Jed is, what why he does all these things. Like he, they kind of show us in this in the relationship and and how it's it's revealed to us. I think is really interesting, and the way that it lets the side characters be a part of this without necessarily them having like dramatic eyebrows furrowed kind of conversations about it. I think is the most interesting thing because yeah. ost- ostensibly Spike just jetted. Faye doesn't know anything about this besides there was an ex. <laughs> like it's not like they're gonna know anything about this. So like right. they were around, but they're they're, they're going to come out of this not knowing any more anything more than they are they already did and that's the type of thing it's like almost you know i think that they're obviously more than co-workers but it's like if your co-worker is like oh like he comes into work the next day and he's he's a little bit run down he go what's wrong man it's got oh, girl trouble it's, oh, okay whatever ho- ho- hope you feel better whatever you know you don't necessarily pry into these people even though you know what's going on and it seems like they're all sort of like they're just letting jet take this one they're not gonna pry they're not gonna push they're just gonna let him do his thing yeah what a cool show. Yeah. You have any final thoughts on these two episodes as a whole? What a cool show. <laughs> that's good. That's a good one. Um, yeah, that's that's going to be it for uh, this episode, I think. We're gonna, uh, we'll are gonna we be back with the next one, with the next two sessions of uh, Cowboy Bebop. Chris, where are you at on Twitter nowadays? I'm at Local Bones on Twitter. I'm at JG Greer. Uh, you can find us together as a podcast at MOTWcast. This is a Monster of the Weeks Presents podcast. If you like us, you will probably like the other stuff that we do. I don't know why I'm giving you this because you're all patrons. You know exactly what we do. I'm sorry. I just went into an automatic <laughs> thing. Thank you so much for supporting us. We all Thanks, we, guys. We, we, we love you. Thank you so much. You know we where to find you. us. Uh, yeah. See you next time. See you. Say Scout Boy. Bye. Bye.